Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews, and I am in the office today. It's a little chilly uh, for me down here in Alabama, but I am so excited to bring you another special guest. Uh, we were actually supposed to hear from him at Epic and something came up. So I just do not want you to miss out on his story. It's really impressive. So uh, Kirby, if you'll just introduce yourself, kind of tell people who you are and what you do. I'm Kirby Pope. I'm the president general manager currently for Patterson Pump Company in Tacoa, Georgia. Uh, we operate a world-class facility here in Tacoa, Georgia, as well as another manufacturing facility in Mullingar, Ireland. Owned by the Gorman Rep Company, have been since 1988, and uh, we're just custom pump manufacturers, what we try to adhere to be, and we try to live that out in everything that we do. We supply some products that aren't custom at all, but there's a little custom flavor and flair to just about everything that we make. Absolutely. So y'all know I like him, right? So there's pump manufacturing, uh, but there's a little more to the story. And I, I think I've known you over a decade, Kirby. So i um, seen you in different levels within organizations. So if we'll just start and kind of tell us, how did you get into this space? I've started at Patterson in 1993. I came to work here as a drafter. Um, I originally went to school straight out of high school to become to become an architect. Uh, that was that was my goal. And when I got through with school, 1988-89, that market, what I wanted to do was custom residential design. And that market was pretty much non-existent unless you lived in somewhere like Chicago or New York. And me being from the South, that wasn't an option. I wasn't going to do that. Um, so I'd also had mechanical drawing experience. Everything in this area um, that I live in, and in Georgia typically is more mechanical. So I uh, first went to a company who made doors and frames for prisons and I designed doors and frames for prisons. And that was pretty close to architectural because we would take door schedules from plans, pull those off and it was, it was just something that was not difficult, pretty easy to do. Um, this job came open at Patterson. I had lost my job there at that company. I'd went to work for a short period of time designing phone booths, believe it or not. And you know that how long Okay, for the that people that don't know what those are, phone booths, you know, yeah. you walk there into was actually a, There's actually a point in time where if you're driving down the road, you could pull over on the side of the road at a motel or a, a shot out uh, convenience store and use a phone. So I knew that was a dead end track. And I'd been unemployed really for three months when this job came open and um, came here filled out a job application and went to work here and didn't know anything about the pump industry, really. Just, I do have a pretty wide mechanical background. I grew up as a farm kid in middle Georgia. Uh, my granddad, my uncle, my dad, all very mechanical people and uh, just grew up fixing whatever was broken. So when I came in here, I first started converting older drawings to new drawings in CAD. And I was, when I graduated from drafting school, we were the first class who knew how to draw by hand and draw by computer. And I still, if you tell me to draw something, I'm still going to draw it by hand. So it's, it's just a little different, but, um, coming here, did that and picked up on the pieces and the parts of the pumps 
fairly quickly. And right in high school, I had a baseball coach who uh, he also did testing on the side, or that was his main job. And I'd worked for a testing company for a little bit. And a job came open here two years after I'd worked here in testing. And I thought, you know, if I'm ever going to do anything here, I need to do something more than drafting. So I put in for the job, got the job, and it's kind of odd. I moved from the office out to the plant. Everybody wants to move from the plant into the office. So I became a test technician here. Um, it suited me really well. I got to do a lot of mechanical things, got to work with a lot of mechanical people. Um, I did that till about four years, probably till 1999. Then the job came open as the test engineer here. And the test engineer is where you work more with production. You decide what to do to a pump after it's failed test um, or if there's any problems with it, you decide that. So I, I did that job here for two years. And during those times, I went back to school. Patterson will pay full for your education. So I went back to school at night. And that had always been a goal of mine to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get myself in a position to where if something opens up, I'll be there. So I went back, got my bachelor's degree, business administration from a small school called Piedmont college. Um, then in 2000, I was called into the president's office here at that time, who was Al Huber. And he told me he had a job for me and it was in international sales. And, um, it would use a lot of the things that I'd learned in the shop to help us try to format and specialize in a market that we were not predominant in, which was international, mainly in the Middle East. And at that time we were doing package systems and we couldn't understand how come the package systems could sell so well in the United States, but not sell so well overseas. So I took that job in 2001 and what I quickly realized is it was the shipping cost. It was the shipping cost that kept us from doing that. So, we tried to standardize and okay, how can we make it fit into a container? And if it can't fit into a container, it can fit on a flat rack. So once we did that and figured out it was only the bigger stuff that couldn't fit into a container, our business took off um, internationally and, and we grew into a, a better known internationally fire pump company. And uh, fire pumps became very dominant for us during that time as well. Um, our leader at that time said, hey, we're going to go to the best lead time in the industry. We're going to go to eight weeks. And when the competition goes to eight, then we're going to go to six. And he said, there's no way anybody can catch us. And we did that and um, took off. And things here at Patterson, seen a lot of growth in 30 years, seen a lot of, a lot of change in 30 years. You know, pumps, as much as we want to say it, they don't have that much technology features that change. You know, it's you can add stuff that can read what the pump is doing. But as far as some new technology that's, you know, going to make a pump that much more efficient, it's just not there. So it's having the confidence in your product, knowing the people here who build the product every day, knowing the things that we do that are a little different from everybody else. That's what really helped me in sales. Well, I have to say that there, you know, is something about this. And I want y'all to really think about this because it wasn't, it is innovating, right? When you're looking at what you're doing and you're like, we just need to change this just a little bit to make business run smoother, right? And and I think that that yeah. was kind of bringing you out of those different areas and just kind of having a different perspective on the team that says, and ask the question, well, why is this so hard for us to do, right? What What is, right. The, what is the problem that we're really trying to solve here? Um, and so- I just think that's really interesting because it you could 
really think about that in so many different applications of where are we spending all of our money? What does it look like? Oh yeah. Well, too, I mean, in testing, that's one of the things you learn. If something fails in test, whether maybe it's not efficient enough, maybe there's not enough pressure, what we call head in this industry. Um, it's not one big sweeping thing that's going to make the difference. And in life, it's not one big sweeping thing that's going to make the difference. It's going it's a putting us the small things together every day consistently that make a big difference. And Let's talk about that because, you know, I, we had uh, put together this leadership panel y'all for the empowering pumps and industry conference epic. If you haven't heard of it and we were talking about leadership and what does that look like? And, and really you have to think about yourself as a leader. And I thought you really had an interesting perspective on that Kirby of just what leadership means to you. Leadership to me, first to me, you got to feed people. And if you can't feed people, you can't lead people. And a lot of times people get that mixed up and say, I'm going to, I'm going to make them follow me first. And then I'm going to feed them. You can't, you can't do that because not me, not you, not anybody else can be relevant to everybody. Right. I don't care who you are. You can't be relevant to everybody, but you can feed everybody. You, you can do something that will pull people in, even though you're not relevant to them. But if you can't feed them, there's no way they're going to follow you. And you have to, you have to feed, you have to lead, and then you have to build systems around that. My, my journey was working with tradespeople who I see as the strength of this industry. Not, I'm not saying that people who sell and engineer aren't, aren't of value. I'm just saying without those people there, you think of this big word that we use today, entrepreneurs. Well, an entrepreneur can only go as far as somebody technical can take him. So he can come up with whatever idea, but somebody's got to figure out how to get it from point A to point B. And without those people, he or she can't do that. So I, I just feel like that's a real strength in this, in this community that we have. In, in Hydraulic Institute, we talk about that a lot. I know you'll talk about that in a little bit. Yes, I, I just, that was the most recent time I saw you were actually at one of the economics uh, yeah. sessions. And I always love that. And just, it makes you think differently. It makes you just think about it, give you the time and the space to think about what is the future hold? What does it look like? But, but I thought, I thought it was really interesting what you said about getting the executors involved. Basically those are the technical people, yeah. the executors. The people who are going to carry it out. I mean, we call it moving the iron, you know, at the end of the day, you got to keep moving the iron no matter what. And that, that's just what it's always been referred to in the plant here. Um, but, but those people, whether they realize it or not, and this is what we tell people when they move up, you've been in a job to where you think I can go home at the end of the day and leave it there. When you move into the, to the office and other jobs, it's, they start to think different and see how I can't just leave it there. But that might've been their attitude, but what they have done and what they have worked on outlast them that day, if that makes sense. Because you look at these, the water companies around us, you look at the counties, you look at the cities, those people for everything that they touch, it may not seem like a big deal, but let the water go out at your house. Mm -hmm. how, how fast are you going to be calling somebody? Right. We deal with a lot of local people here and, and it's amazing to hear the difference in what they come and tell us about versus what your customers or your engineers or your specifiers, what they may tell you. Because I've heard a lot through the years of we have to fix this every time. 
or every time we get that, it's wrong. And they're not talking about us as a company. They're talking about in general. Every time they see something that looks like that, they know exactly what to be ready for. And that's the thing. You've got to listen to those people. You got to have those conversations Absolutely. and respect, right? Of of anybody right. on your team, and and no matter what the job is, basically, right. you know, you need their feedback. Right. How how do you yeah. develop that within your teams? Anytime I, I talk to a CEO, uh, president, manager, I always ask this. You know, how do you get people to actually open up and share their ideas? We do. Um... We used to call it Six Sigma. We call it different now. It's Continuous Improvement Initiative is one of the things that we're doing. And also, we put the nonconformances in front of the employees every month. We let them see exactly what this mistake or these mistakes led to and how much money they cost. And then you also have what's called CCRs, which is Customer Conformance Reviews. That is when you have a customer complaint. And what that is, is an NCR that never got caught in the factory, but it got caught by someone outside of this factory, a customer, tradesperson, whatever. And those go in front of the staff. For every staff meeting we have, we go back and review customer complaints. And that's not something I initiated that was in the management of the past, but it, it's something good because it puts in front of our face, this is who we serve. And, you know, without a lot of industries today put a lot of focus on your employees. And I'm not saying, hey, employees is not a good place to put your focus. But without that exchange, without that business of the customer, you can't do anything to help your employees. You've got to keep reminding your employees and yourself, hey, yesterday's gone. Whatever you did great yesterday, that, that's wonderful. But this is what's in our face today. And this is what we need to deal with. And the man who founded this company, Gorman Rupp, James Gorman, he said it best. He said, you know, you can either serve the customer or somebody else will. And we have to continually remind ourselves, this is what we do this for. And if it's not the front of what we do, somebody else is going to pick it up and run with it. Well, you know, I always, of course, I was a salesperson first. I always uh, love that. But I think that your customers are the one that's going to tell you, right? The, the people right. out there in the field, they're going to tell you what you need to do and how you need to grow. And um, if you listen to them, uh, they're the ones that's right. going to really help you. So. I'm, and you want that relationship. That's that's another thing that I feel strongly about. And you coming from a sales background, you know this. Without relationships, I tell people who didn't even buy from me, look, even if you're not going to buy from me, call me and ask me the questions you want to know. Because I want to plant in their mind that I'll answer that question. And I'll also give you a question and it make you ask, how come the vendor I'm buying this from didn't tell me that? Yeah, you're learning. You're learning no matter what. No matter if you got a yes or no, you're learning. And I think that, you know, having leaders like you and, and bringing this industry together, which is what we're trying to do to innovate and create and, and just make our world better. Um, right. Having everyone, these leaders, for example, at the Hydraulic Institute, um, you're in in that realm now leading at, at the top of your company and and looking at how do we shine a light on our industry? How do we solve the problems of today? And then the opportunity. So I'm curious always what y'all are working on, but I also know it's coming up in February, uh, the conference. Tell us about getting involved in an organization like that. I'd been in Hydraulic Institute starting in 2016 or 15, I think was my first year. The first year we went to Tucson, Arizona. And um, I was, my plan here was to take the marketing position, marketing and sales until the the job for president general manager came open in 2017. 
So I was already on the track of being in the marketing committees, being in the fire pump committees, those types of fields. Now being in the CEO division, it's remarkable looking at things from the other side and looking at how, because you're always wondering, and I'm sure this is what you wonder, how does this person lead? How does this person run their company versus this, versus this, versus this? And I think every one of us has probably that, if if you were to say, okay, I'm going to do a personality trait analysis, you're going to find we all corner in that same place, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of how we accomplish that. Again, how, how do we feed? How do we lead? And how do we assimilate? Um, I think everybody does those things. It's just a little bit different how they may tell you they do it versus the way I would tell you I do it. But you put a you put a big room full of people in there. You know, the first thing I thought is, man, here's going to come a bunch of personalities and a bunch of attitudes. And but it's not that way. And that's good because you can freely speak and say things that whatever I'm feeling normally as a president, general manager here. I promise you everybody else in the room is is breathing that same air because that's just the industry we're in. And it's like the guy I work for, Scott King, with Gorman Up, he says it all the time. Everything is going great right now if you don't watch the news and, and, and keep the TV turned off. You know, everybody tells you it's doom and gloom, but we're not feeling that in the industry right now. Yeah, and we like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I think tomorrow, well, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing. We are leading in that. We can't sit in that and be like, oh, woe is me. What's going to happen? Like we have to right. lead the industry forward. And there's so many uh, conversations that I've had around that of like, are they in charge of that or is the industry leading that? You know, I'm always having that conversation. So um, I love it. I love bringing leaders together. And I think the more conversations that y'all have, um, the more talent that we bring into the industry is just going to make the pump industry stronger for sure. What is, you know, I'm just fascinated with you, first of all. Um, I I love kind of how you went up, the different schools. You've got this background, um, went to a a Christian college. Now, um, that last college you went to, I loved how it said a high quality of ethics there. I just, I'm saying all that because I feel that you have a leadership quality that goes beyond yourself and you're wanting to help people and you're wanting to to do good for others. It's what I see. And so um, I like to push, put that out on the podcast to just show everybody that this is you leading, right? What, what does that look like? What does the future of you leading look like? Well, my employees first would tell you that I'm faith driven. When we have employee meetings, the last thing I tell everybody during those employee meetings, and I've done it from day one, is I'll, I'll tell them, look, no matter what, I love you because I wouldn't want to spend the third of my life with people I don't care about. Right. I just wouldn't want to do it. But um, coming from where they've been shows them that there's no glass ceiling. And if they'll put the effort out there, you can you can accomplish it. You know, you see all the time somebody says on TV, hey, you can accomplish anything. You know, I want to show my kids you can accomplish anything. That's good. But being able to be in front of them and work with, come tell me what the issues are. Let's sit down and talk about issues and being able to listen to them and make those changes. And it could be a complaint. I mean, they're not all good days. You know, you come in and you have this, I always try to make three things I'm going to get done today. That could be shot by 8.30, but, you know, they, they know enough about me and I know enough about them to determine this is something that we can get through. And just like when all the work from COVID, you know, COVID was a big slowdown. And then here was a whole mountain full of work to try to get through. 
And I told them in this past November, I said, right now, guys, you have it. And it is easy to lose. And it's also very hard to find when you don't have it. And, and your it right now is the thing that's going to propel us to where we need to go. Because it's a very different workforce from what we had 10 years ago. Our average worker now is in their 40s, not in their 50s. Average worker now has been here 10 years. A lot of companies can't say that right now. So it's. I do think it's a I testament think, to recruiting. Um, I was looking kind of at your team and their backgrounds and that kind of thing of, of bringing them, you know, from your community and your network and, and kind of your, um, your, your leadership style is what brings that in and, and really being able to talk to our employees. It's not easy having these conversations, the, the real conversations that are going to take you to the next level or oh, yeah. improve you. They're not fun. They're like, you if know, people don't see in themselves sometimes. And I, I was guilty of this. I didn't see myself in this position, but I, I think, you know, and you met some of them at Epic, there's people who are in positions here now that five years ago, they didn't see themselves in that position, but they're well suited for it because of the experience level they have with what we do every day. And it's that to me is what I look for in a person is look, they're, they're already showing me they're devoted. That that's not a question. They're already showing me and everybody else here. Hey, if we have to come back up here at midnight and do this together. If the world goes to pot tomorrow and electricity turns off, those people will be up here doing whatever it is. Yeah. Same and, I, here. and I think you've got that. You've got that team around you. Um, and you've got, you know, that, um, energy uh, of growth right. and improvement. And I love that. So I want, I could talk to you all day. Uh, I want to give you kind of a last word before I go into rapid fire of just, you know, what would you like to leave uh, our industry with a message out there to our listeners? I would say, don't forget that water is probably the most precious thing that we have. And if you'll pay X amount of dollars for a gallon of gas, what are people going to pay for water? And I made that decision probably 15 years ago of, you know, we all talk about just where I want to go, is this where I want to stay. And I kept telling myself that, hey, no matter what, this is going to be the industry to be in as you go forward. Where pumps may not sound that exciting to people in college right now, or, you know, there, there's all things that go around it. There's motors, there's engines, there's valves, there's, there's all these different things that, are, that go with the pump. But this industry has really grown in the last, you've probably seen this in the last five years and how much it's expanded. But going forward, I, I still believe this is the place to be. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I always say pumps are vital to life, but water is absolutely vital to life. And that's the challenge we face. We know it's coming at us. We've seen the environmental shifts and changes, and we know that we're going to continue to have to deal with water scarcity. Um, yeah. And it's a problem today. And protection. Flood protection too. I mean, you know, with the rising tides, I mean, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. Absolutely. So um, the good thing is we got great minds together working on this, solving these problems. And before I let you go, you've already alluded to some of this, uh, but I'm, I'm curious a little bit more about you. Um, what is your favorite book? Just a couple of fun questions to start. My favorite book is actually built to last by Jim ah, Collins. Yes. I, um, I have I like the Jim Collins books, but Built to Last was the first one I read, and that's probably my favorite business book. Awesome. Um, my favorite book of all times is Last of the Mohicans by James Fenimore Cooper. But Okay, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Okay, what about music? You got any fun jams? I listen to, I grew up in the 80s, so 
if you good riding down the road with me it's either on 80s or uh metal mania okay <laughs> jams, so jams. i don't know how i knew you jam um yeah. okay and then what is the best advice you've ever received my granddaddy told me a long time ago, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. That was probably the best, <laughs> best advice I ever had. So it was, you better get wise to some things before you keep doing the same thing over and over again. But, I love um, that. Okay. I'm yeah. going to shift the gears just a little bit because we are in the pump industry. And so I'm going to ask you if there's a young person wanting to get into the industry, what advice would you give them? I would say, I would say learn the trades of being in the, the pump assembly, the whether it's the machining, those types of things first, because you'd be surprised how many people in the office wish they had that. And we hear that a lot. And it's just, they can't, they can't go back and get that five, that 10 years of experience when they're 45, 50 years old. And they'll keep telling us, I wish I knew what that person knew who's 10 years younger than me, but has worked in the shop for five or 10 years. They just, they don't know it. And they, they wish they had it. Yes. And, you know, it makes me think about um, my children, you know, their um, high school, middle school time frame. And, you know, they've got all the um, trade schools that are offering classes where you can go to school and learn um, all kinds of varieties of different things. But if they could do that and really as a that young and we can do it even even on further, but just introducing people to industry and building things and, you know, the I have two sons and a daughter and, and they all love to like be in it. Right. They want to understand and, and be in the action. And I think if we can right. encourage people, not only just as kids, I think we're doing a good job of focusing on that. But even after that, you can maybe do shifts of different items. You know, I think that was what I love so much yeah. about your story, Kirby, is you grew up in this company and in this industry and, and did all these different tasks. And, and you, even though, you had a couple of years experience in kind of one area. It didn't limit you to say that you couldn't be, you know, the leader of this company, you know? Yeah. I mean, when it came to welding, I'll tell you right now, I'm not a welder, but when it came to somebody giving me an opportunity to say, Hey, you want to learn how? Yeah. I want to learn how. So I learned how enough to know that that is something I have no desire to do. And if you, if you do it, man, my hat's off to you, but you know, plumbing, electrical, those types of things. I did all those and it was, I have offered when my daughter was growing up, we have friends go to church with and stuff. And I would tell kids, Hey, you'll come to my house, work with me Saturday. I'll pay you a hundred dollars. You'll learn how to do plumbing, electrical, whatever else. But it's, it's funny how many people turn that down. And, you know, like I said, the trigger word today is entrepreneur. If you really want to be one, you better figure out everything that it involves. Yes. And it's, it's not easier. I just have to tell you, it's, not, it's not, no. Oh, I'm going to run my own company. I can do everything myself. And you know, da, da, da. that is have nobody to blame but me. Right. <laughs> That's right. And you, you don't stop thinking about it, but um, I think uh, Kirby just, I loved it. You pointed out that about our executors. I couldn't do the work that I do without my team. And that's what we have to get to. We we need to lean on each other as an industry um, and the people within our company. So Thanks, Kirby, for being a great example and jumping on the mic with me today. Um, everybody else, like, share, do all that great stuff. Kirby's one of the leaders in our industry. And I just, you know, I want y'all to show him some love. So share this episode. And until next time, be empowering. <laughs>